It's June 27th. We're reading from the Old Testament. Our Old Testament reading that you'll be reading today is in Job chapters 10, 11, and 12. Again, we break into the middle of Job's response to the second friend, and he's talking in this chapter about the difficulties of his life with words that uh, are showing his abject despair. Matter of fact, he opens up in verse 1 with, you know, I loathe my life. I mean, he's hitting bottom. He's talking about death. He's talking about the gloomy nature of the grave. All the things that he's saying in his pain, we can fully understand based on all that he's been through, but his friends don't understand. Matter of fact, the first friend came along, you might remember talking about everyone being a sinner. The second friend came along talking about God's justice. Well, the third friend, Zophar, went through Eliphaz and and Bildad. Now Zophar comes in and starts talking about the fact that uh, it could be worse. You probably got things in your life we don't even know about, and you're a hypocrite, and you're a liar, and condemns Job. It's a terrible response. And remember, at the end of the book, God comes on the scene and condemns Job's friends, and their counsel is foolish and ignorant and not knowing what they're talking about. So uh, not that everything they say is wrong. As I've said throughout this uh, book so far, uh, there are nuggets of truth in the three friends and what they say. And sometimes there's absolute truth in some of the verses that they that we read that are uh, you know from the mouth of these three guys. But um, certainly miserable comforters, they're at the Uh, at the wrong time with a lot of these statements and a lot of presumption on their part. So Job responds in chapter 12 and basically mocks them. Uh, Even though he speaks of God's wisdom here, uh, there is a sense of being just being completely defeated and um, feels like his life is completely upside down as we rightly understand. Anyway, our Old Testament reading, those are some three tough chapters that we'll get through here today. But our New Testament reading in Acts chapter 8, we're introduced to uh, Philip, and Philip is a deacon, much like Stephen was. And by the way, I guess the first verse is we talk about Saul of Tarsus. Uh, remember, he's going to become the Apostle Paul. His name change is coming here real soon. But uh, Tarsus, by the way, a um, city in uh, modern-day Turkey near the southern Mediterranean coast. Um, it was the city he was born in. He was known as Saul of Tarsus, uh, but moved apparently at an early age to Jerusalem, studied the law, became a rabbi, a teaching rabbi. And um, it says in his autobiographical sections there in Philippians that he was advanced in Judaism, a Pharisee of Pharisees. So he knew the law well, but his heart was closed and uh, stubborn toward the truth of the Messiah, and certainly the Messiah being Christ. So he's persecuting the church, and he's doing it zealously, as we'll see more in the next chapter. But here in Acts chapter 8, we see he had given this hearty approval to uh, Stephen's martyrdom, And uh, so we just keep that as a bookmark in our mind, and then we see the tremendous grace of God transforming his life. Uh, Philip, uh, we we see here in this passage as there's uh, evangelism going on in Samaria. Don't forget Samaria was a place that the Jewish folks of the south in Jerusalem did not and Judea did not like. They were uh, seen as sellouts, almost worse than being a Gentile was to be a Samaritan. It was worse in their mind because they had uh, uh, sold out their heritage to a lot of intermarrying with the Assyrians, and it was just a um, uh, it was something they hated. And yet here was the gospel going, as Jesus had said, from Jerusalem, Judea, into Samaria, this middle part of the nation. And it was going to then go on, as we'll see in a couple chapters, into the uh, ends of the earth. But This is a passage that reminds us of God keeping his promise and doing it through faithful servants like Philip and previous chapters, uh, Stephen, and then we're going to see Saul converted, and we've got a great section of God advancing the church here in Acts. Our community imperative is found in Romans chapter 12 today, and I'd like you to focus on this today. It simply says, and I'll just read the first four English words of Romans 12, uh, verse 9. It says, Let love be genuine. 
And I think we don't contemplate that statement enough. It's a good statement. We don't just want to do acts of love, gritting our teeth and just doing it and checking a box. Love that is caring about those in the body of Christ. That's our focus throughout this series um, with um, a, a commitment to their well-being as though we don't really care or that we're not fully sincere. So I'm going to put it this way. Work to love sincerely. You know, another way to put it was just check your heart and make sure that the things that you're doing, and we ought to be doing a lot to love the people in the body of Christ, make sure that your heart is sincere. And as you struggle with sometimes that sincerity and there's a hypocrisy, maybe even doing something kind and then having our mouth say things negatively about those people, I can see, you know, a lot of situations where you're doing something to sacrifice for the body of Christ and then you turn around and reverse all that with your outbursts of what you might feel or your frustration or your hurt feelings or your bitterness or whatever it might be. So work to love sincerely. Make sure that your heart and the motive of your heart matches the action of sacrifice and giving to the body of Christ. Work to love sincerely. There's a good community imperative for us to focus on today. And we'll be back tomorrow as we continue reading through the Bible.